he did not want to shoot. Versus if you went back and you looked at the games in the Bahamas when we are playing Baja Blast Tech, he's letting those things fly. <laughs> Cal was the coach of, our, of at least my childhood. Uh, I mean, I was always a tubby guy. Um, I was a tubby kid growing up. Just take um, Muhammad Ali at, then, uh, at center. Then you have actually to played for Kentucky, Kentucky University of players. Kentucky. Oh, daggone it, guys. I did not prepare for this. Because they're both going to be key contributors to a national championship team. No, do not tell me to relax, Zach, because I'm all in on this squad, and it's going to happen. What is up, Big Blue Nation? Welcome back. Matt Zach, BBN here, joined, as always, by my three Twitter best friends, we have Big Blue Bud back in the house, as well as 270 Bradley Smith and Wildcat's Tongue, and we are up to no good, and we are just coming back from dropping about 100 memes in the U of L men's basketball reply section on Twitter. Um, Yeah, Kentucky Wesleyan won that game. Buddy, I missed you. How are you doing? How was your vacation? You look kind of tan uh thanks sorry i was still posting so i was only half listening to you but vacation was fantastic it was wonderful there were lots of beaches and a rainforest and um uh good times did you meet our one rub to no good fan uh if i did i didn't know that they were the rub to no good fan it could have been a situation where we crossed paths but we didn't know uh that you know who each other were um so it's possible but um not we didn't you know uh, introduce or meet like that so no. is the country of puerto rico like have, does it have a high population like what are the odds that you would have crossed um so it does have a pretty high population i think especially san juan like the population density was pretty intense i think it's like three million or so on that tiny island um so it was a pretty good lot of people uh it's very possible that we were within like 20 miles of each other though because i covered like the entire island so we were probably close. Yes, WT, I did call it the country of Puerto Rico. Yes, it's Rico. not a country. It's an unincorporated territory of the United States or something like that. WT, whatever. correct you if you aren't careful. I was in um a JC Penny and I ran into a Rup to No Good fan. That's nice. Yeah, That's shout, out, they... shout out Harper. Oh, Him and his dad were shopping. Um, I don't know what for. I wasn't that nosy. I was looking for a vest. I got a really nice vest on a really good deal. JCPenney's really good deals on male vest right now for anyone interested. Um, but he came up and like, are you Matt Sack? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, huge fan of the show. So uh, shout out certified friend of the program, Harper. Uh, WT, how are you doing over yeah, there? Harper. I could not be better. I wasn't having a fantastic day. And then I come home, flip on ESPN+. Plus. <laughs> and catch the second half of what might be my second favorite game, second only to the Lenore Ryan game from last season. I mean, Kenny Payne is 500 in exhibition games. And like, I don't love it because it's Kenny Payne. I genuinely like the guy, but the amount of karma that that fan base is getting from all those Kenny won those game memes and all that, uh, the amount of bookmarks I have of say no more saved up on Twitter it is like it's Christmas Day, and it's just going to get better throughout the season. Dude, are they going to win more than five games? <laughs> no, they I mean, can't. Seriously, <laughs> you don't think Sky Clark's going to go off? <laughs> Dude, Sky, man, 
he actually had a pretty good game. Like he almost single-handedly carried his team back against Kentucky Wesleyan, which is saying something that everyone had to be carried by Sky Clark against a team that's (laughs) predicted to finish eighth in their division two conference. It's not even like they were like Georgetown where they're like, Oh yeah, they're going to win the NAIA or whatever. Like they're the NAIA world beaters. They're like eighth in their division. Like they won't have a 500 record in D2. Oh, this Louisville's tweet, man. They have 167 likes, 135 quote tweets, 205 responses or replies. <laughs> yeah, and about 80 of them are Bradley. Bradley, how are you doing over there? <laughs> I am doing great. Um, I love memeing opposing teams so much. Uh, by the way, shout out to those two uh, Louisville fans uh, who called me a dork for getting blocked by Georgetown College. Uh, I might have got blocked by Georgetown College, but you lost an exhibition game to Kentucky Wesleyan. <laughs> Losers! Losers! <laughs> There's like a, uh, like, I feel like, Louisville, this is a stat that I'm telling you is probably true. I feel like Louisville has lost to more Kentucky teams than any other school in Kentucky, right? Because they've lost to Bellarmine. Yeah. They've lost to us. They've lost to Kentucky Wesleyan. And did they beat Western? They did beat Western last season. I believe they've lost, they may have lost to Western before. I'm not sure. But they they play them pretty often, so I think they have lost to them before. They would one hundred percent lose to Georgetown. Yes, did they lose to oh, Murray yeah. State last Dude. year. Didn't they lose to Murray State? They lost to Bellarmine Not last year. Yeah, they lost to Bellarmine. That's what I'm saying. They have lost. They've racked up more losses against schools in other universities in Kentucky than any other any other program in Kentucky. I bet. I bet. Yeah, well, we have to talk about a pretty embarrassing loss ourselves. Nowhere near as bad as that. But first, Kentucky played an exhibition game of them themselves. Um, really rocky. Uh, the guys that I wanted to see play well really didn't play well. But the veterans stepped up. And that was my biggest takeaway is this team has stabilizers was the word that I used. And it's just guys that you go and put in when things aren't <laughs> going well and they stabilize things and they make things okay. Trey Mitchell is the guy that you put in when you're like giving up. You can't get a bucket. You can't get a stop. You put him in and it makes things all right. I would throw a Thiero in that category. Even Reed Shepard kind of slips in that category. These are guys that just don't make bad plays. They only make good plays. Will they be our highest potential guys? No. But you have guys that when our stars aren't playing well, they can kind of fix things. You go back to last year, like if Kaysen isn't playing well, Oscar isn't playing well. I mean, it's like you go to the bench and you have like CJ Frederick and... I don't even know, like, freshman Ugana and Yenzo. Like, they're not there to, like, make things right. So uh, that was probably my biggest takeaway from the game. WT, what did you think? Uh, I thought if the Habs were switched, if we came out and beat them by, like, 20, was it 22 in the second half and then, yeah. like, had a lackluster uh, half after that, then it, it would be, like, a nothing burger. We'd be perfectly fine with that. Uh, I he didn't show up in the stat sheet, but I was really impressed with um, Adu. Uh, I think 
Adu played way better than the stat sheet shows. Um, he impacted the game a lot. Um, if you go back and look, whenever he was in the game, we were way better um, as a team. Uh, with him on the court, he played like 21 minutes. We were plus 26. With him off the court, we were minus three. So plus minus is not the best stat in the world, but Adu definitely impacted the game in a positive way. Uh, I really like that. Um, other than that, I we obviously are still looking for DJ. We're obviously still looking for uh, Justin. They've got time to clean it up, but they don't have much time. We got to get that uh, ready to go by that Kansas game. I I love Adu so much, and he's in a spot where he like almost by default has to play like a four because Trey is playing like a small ball five right now. So he's starting at the four. He's getting a lot of minutes at the four. I think even when Bradshaw and Avicic comes back, he stays there. Like he was, he kind of was given the fault the the spot by default. I don't think he ever loses it. I'm not sure where the minutes come from. I don't know if that means Trey Mitchell comes off the bench as a sixth man. I don't know if like Aaron Bradshaw has to come off the bench. I don't know what happens, but I just don't think that the way the Adu Thiero is playing, if he gets the opportunity to start the begin the season, he will have it the rest of the season because I just don't see him losing that spot. I'm telling you, he may not start, but he will finish a lot of the games. <laughs> uh, I have him right now as my sixth man of the year in the SEC. So. Did you guys see the tweet I sent you from um <laughs> from friend of the show uh TJ Walker? By yeah. the way, <laughs> you want to read it off for us? Yeah, I'll read it off. He said a lot of folks are going to hate on U of L losing to Kentucky Wesleyan, but let me remind you of a Cardinal team that once lost to Lenore Ryan in an exhibition game and managed to turn that loss into a four win season. <laughs> Don't lose the faith. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I forgot. I've got. Lord. I forgot. I have to post Amish Paradise. <laughs> oh, that's that's the do quote tweet it with that because that that's the key. It's not a meme time until we get Amish Paradise. Oh man, just <laughs> the, the dog pile happening on Twitter. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, oh the complaining about I the like got me, man. Just so we don't get wrongfully said like rent free, I feel like we do need to talk a little bit about Kentucky. Bro, this is just too funny. It's happening. It's live. too funny. They could have lost any other night, and we would have talked about it for like three minutes and moved on. But literally, as we start to record, you Damn. lose to like the eighth best team. What's our conference? The C Mac, <laughs> G Mac, the G Mac. <laughs> That oh, that can't God. be true. What you've said, G Mac. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're making that up. No, I'm they, pretty sure, man. I you don't could t- you you could tell me that they play in the snack pack, and I'd believe it more <laughs> quickly than G Mac. Kentucky Wesleyan, the number eighth ranked team in the preseason <laughs> poll of the sack pack. Where do you guys think? Where do you guys think that Louisville ranks in terms of Kentucky? basketball programs including That's high school including high school teams don smith oh, has got to have his guys over at where is he coaching now frederick douglas frederick douglas he, a sean smith coached basketball team is beating louisville right now <laughs> i mean let, let's let's actually list them i want to see how like how many we could reasonably say are better than louisville we've got kentucky okay, can, 
Kentucky's Kentucky managers. Listening. Can we include Kentucky's managers? Who who is <laughs> going to guard is Racer Rod? Yeah. Who's going to guard Racer Rod? Murray State, Northern yes. Kentucky. WKU. 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 They lost WKU last year. They lost WKU sometime. Dante Allen Redemption. WKU beat them. Yeah, Dante. No, they lost. Dante Allen Redemption art. Uh, Um, I don't even think it was Bellarmine. Bellarmine definitely better. Well, we know Kentucky Wesleyan. Yeah. Center College. Yeah. Center College. Do you think Asbury's better? Georgetown is definitely better. Asbury. Georgetown. What about Transylvania? Yeah, maybe their sure. women's team, D three yeah. women's champions. Um, oh, let's big, oh. Berea. Yeah, Berea. Alice Lloyd. Alice Lloyd. <laughs> Alice Lloyd in Pippa passes Kentucky. You think Western, Western Kentucky Community and Technical College in Paducah? Is the Cumberlands like the, the Cumberland <laughs> University? Do <Cumberlands>. <laughs> y'all think that us four with friend of the program Lance Ware would beat them? Us Dude. with friend of the program, like, who's the most unathletic person that we've had on the program? You think, We're not going to answer think, that question. Do you think Big Dude, Sandy I... Community Technical College would beat them? Dude, I was a defensive liability in my D3 college's intramural uh, basketball league, and I could lock up Sky Clark. <laughs> Us with Jack Pilgrim. Dude, Jack Pilgrim's are, going are for giving him a game. 25. We're giving him a game. Oh, Pike, but don't forget, Say No More says wins. that DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, and Antonio Reeves can't guard Sky Clark. <laughs> we just watched Kentucky freaking Wesleyan guard everybody on Louisville's roster. Okay, I kind of want to get back to talk about Kentucky, but I literally <laughs> just got... So I turned Louisville notifications on, obviously, to meme them with the Reed Shepard video. And I just got another notification. Coach Kenny Payne addresses the media. <laughs> and I just have to oh, listen no. to this right now. Uh, but no, we'll get back to Kentucky. Buddy, did you get a chance to watch the exhibition game or were you out partying on beaches? No. <laughs> so I was... Sorry, I'm coughing. Uh, I was still overseas. I haven't got to catch up on that one yet. I did watch the blue-white game. I uh, did get to catch up and watch that one. Uh, oh so. yeah, you didn't. You weren't here for the blue white game. So well, what do you think of Rob Dillingham? Do you think that we had a well, listener? So question? that's the thing. I saw Rob Dillingham went nuts in both games. Right? He went crazy in that exhibition as well. He didn't go crazy, but he was by far the best freshman. I think like the other three freshmen that played, uh, like the main ones, like Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, and Justin Edwards, combined for like six of thirty or something like that. Uh, but Rob Dillingham was like five of nine. We we got a listener question. I'll see who it's from later um, yeah. while we get to them. I, I'm sorry I'm forgetting who you were. But they asked, do you think Rob Dillingham is a legitimate shot to get into the starting lineup? I think everyone kind of has penciled in, maybe even sharpied in, DJ at the one, Reeves at the two, Edwards at the three. Do you all see a world where Dilly slips in there? I see a world. I mean, if he's if he plays as, as good as he's played, then why not? Also, I mean... I don't know if y'all know who y'all know who me man boy is, but for the greater Twitter audience, I'm not sure, but, or, you know, podcast audience, but uh, he's got connections in the program and he's said multiple times now that, you know, the plan might be for Dilly to come in at the one and then for him and DJ to be on the court together, uh, which I don't know if I would have believed before pretty recently, but I don't know. I mean, I yeah, it, it would work. I don't think it wouldn't work. I just think there's so much other talent. You know, you gotta somebody's gotta go out in order yeah, like to who comes happen. out. Yeah. 
That's the question. But I mean, I a hundred percent think that they could play them together and it would, it would work. I honestly think if you're designing the starting lineup right now, you might go Rob, DJ, Antonio, Adu, and Trey. Yeah, Adu? And a potential number one pick in the NBA draft might go to your bench as your sixth man. That's an insane thing. Like, like we know that Justin Edwards hasn't really been performing that well, but like I can see a world where like maybe he doesn't start, <laughs> which is a wild thing. And I, I hope that he uh, becomes the player where we can't take him off the court, but Rob is just so good. And I I'm trying my best not to use the word shifty, but, but it, just it, like, it's, it's really difficult to not call Reed like a high IQ player. It's really hard not to call Rob shifty. <laughs> There's a reason that these guys come into like our scope with these reputations already. And then we're like, boy, we sure don't want to call them the thing that everyone's called them since the beginning of time because they totally are that thing. So, yeah, I mean, he is, you know. I, I do want to talk about Justin Edwards. What do y'all think's going on there? Do you think this is just common early of the year freshman struggles? Do you just think it's he's kind of out of position? Like they're playing four on four in practice. You know, like, is he still adjusting to the game? Or are you kind of just watching him like, I don't know if he's everything he was hyped up to be. How do y'all feel about this as of right now? I think that, oh, mm-hmm. go for it, buddy. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> I was just going to say, I really liked your comparison to, I think you said Kevin Knox. Yes. Where it's just like, he's the best guy out there. But it's just, you know, for whatever reason, you don't click, you don't take over games for a good portion of the year. Like, you have that game you know, where you go off and you go crazy, but it just never really like a hundred percent really, you know, clicks for him. Uh, but you, I had can see that, that completely. You, you had that dog of a point guard that wasn't as talented as the moment, but just had that in them. It's like, okay, I'm going to take over games where Kevin Knox, like he's super tall. He could get any shot that he wants. He's athletic, um, like a tall three, like could have been the most talented small forward of the Cal era but kind of just settles a little too much. Doesn't really have that takeover mindset kind of settles for jump shots too many times is a good uh, shooter for his size, but not, not elite quite yet, at least. Um, That's why I compare him to Kevin Knox. And I did that before he even came here. I was kind of hoping he was what Kevin Knox, like what we thought he would originally be, but he might just be Kevin Knox. I see Justin. He's kind of like a dull old Swiss army knife. He has every tool uh available he can shoot he can dribble he can create plays he can pass he can be in the post he can be on the perimeter but as of right now he can't do any single one of those at like the elite level that we thought he could now obviously he has time to adjust he may just need to find his identity he may need to just adjust to the speed of d1 college basketball um but like he can shoot he's not a knockdown three-point shooter though so like He's not hitting open threes all the time. He can create plays, but he's not blowing by uh, his defender uh, at will. He's like struggling to get that first step. Uh, He can play in the post, but he's not really establishing physicality in the post. He can play on the perimeter, but he's not really creating space. So like he can do all these things, but he needs to find his identity on what can he do on the elite level. Almost like, and this is what happens in the NBA You see guys specialize so much, like they become really, really good at one thing and that turns them into a role player, but role players also in the NBA can be worth like tens of millions of dollars because they get so good at the one thing. So what is that one thing that Justin 
can work on to become elite at? What do you all think? I think it's, and it's not just one thing. It's like doing all of the little things is the one thing. That's what I liked about Justin. It's like, okay, you're having a bad shooting night, but you could be the best defender on the floor. You can go and grab eight, nine rebounds. You can, even if you're not shooting well, go be the first one down the floor in transition. No one's stopping you. You're six, eight and the most athletic like guy on the floor. Like go and get four layups and dunks in transition, get eight free points. If you're not, if your shot isn't falling, that's what I want to see him do. Like I just, I'm trying to think of, it's kind of like what a do is almost doing now, you know? So yeah, there might be nights where a shot isn't falling. There might be nights where it is, but at the minimum, he is your Swiss army knife where it's like, okay, do you know what? Go lock down the best player, go get like seven, eight rebounds and go out in transition and make the hustle plays. Yeah, that's something we saw. Well. That's something we saw Chris Livingston do. Like a guy that was a five star came with a lot of hype when he wasn't playing his best. I, I know all of y'all are shaking your heads right now. Like, calm down. Um, Chris Livingston, <laughs> to a different degree, even like when he wasn't scoring, he was only getting like six ish points a game, wasn't like a lethal shooter or anything like that. He would come in. How many times was Li- Chris Livingston diving on the floor, getting a loose ball? How many times? Would, would he go in there and just go get rebounds on both sides of the ball? Like he did other things to impact the game. Justin Edwards is three times a player of Chris Livingston. He should be able to do that and a little bit more, even when he's not playing his best. And I'm not giving up on Justin Edwards. Don't take this the wrong way. I still think he'll be the best player on the team for the reasons I'm saying right now. His bad days should still be benefiting the team. Yeah, I mean, My- we saw like, John Wall struggled in exhibition games or like in the first game of the season. Like we've seen guys who ended up becoming our best players struggle in these little dumb little exhibition games. But um, it's also the only thing we have to talk about. Like Justin also played pretty well in Canada. So yes, I I think we're, because we are a podcast and we have to talk about things. Justin is just one of the things that we're going to talk about as a potential negative. My only concern and this has nothing to do really with how he's played at all. It's just that wings like Edwards don't or haven't typically done well in Cal's system. Uh, I know people bring up like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, but they're total opposites in my opinion. But like guys like Kevin Knox that were just crazy hyped or, like, even Alex Poitras to an extent. You know, I, I love Alex Poitras. He's one of my favorite players to ever play uh, at Kentucky. But it's, it's just one of those deals where, like, it's, for some reason it seems like wings just don't pan out. And, like, I'm not saying that Edwards will be bad. I mean, he could put it together and go be the number one pick. But that's just my hang-up is that wings traditionally haven't been great. Yeah, and like even James Young and Keldon Johnson, again, we're not bad players. I think they're actually both a little underrated. I think we mm-hmm. don't look at them as highly as they actually contributed to our team, but they also weren't as good. Like they both came in as like top 10 guys, and we're like, wow, this this could be the, the small forward that Cal never had. And I feel like we've had that conversation a few different times after MKG. All right, well, now we got James Young. Now we got Alex Poitras. Yeah, Trey Lyles, um, Kevin Knox, Keldon Johnson. We we've never quite had it. Helen Grady, kind of to a degree, for until like he like lost both of his legs. Um, January Kellen Grady was the best player Cal's ever had. <laughs> that's the best three he has ever had. 
is January <laughs> Kellen Grady. <laughs> but I, I did make a realization, um, and this has to do with Justin and DJ. I go back two years ago, and very quickly we saw, all right, Oscar's going to be dominant. Um, you know, Sauver's, Sauver's going to be a consistent point guard. You know what he's going to give you. Toppin and Kian at the four, they're not anything fantastic, but they're going to be serviceable. This team, like the 2021-22 team, it's going to come down to can how good is Ty Ty Washington? Like this team will go as far as Ty Ty Washington takes them. And how good of a shooter can Kellen Grady be? Well, we they were when they were great, when we were a top three team in the country, everything was fantastic. They both go one of eleven against St. Peter's and give up 40 points to the mustache dude. Um, you know, the team lost. Like it, that team, you could see very quickly came down to how good can Ty Ty Washington be? How good can Kellen Grady be? This next year, you saw, all right, again, Oscar's going to be Oscar. You're not going to be surprised by anything Oscar does. You know, he's going to give you bad defense. He's going to give you 17 and 17, and he'll be a pretty good offensive post guy that you could play through. Kaysen Wallace, again, you know what you're going to get from. You're not going to be surprised too much by Kaysen. This team will come down to can Antonio Reeves and CJ Frederick make jump shots? When CJ Frederick, like, again, loses his leg, runs into a cameraman, can't play the rest of the season or doesn't play that well, and Antonio Reeves goes one of 15, you don't win games. This year, we're kind of already seeing, at least in my opinion, in order for this team to reach the top level, DJ and Justin need to be good. The good thing about this team is I think they have depth, they have other options. Those guys can play bad, and yeah, Rob and Reeves can still have a good game. You'll get out of the first weekend. But if you want to make the Elite Eight the Final Four, DJ needs to be better than we've seen so far. And Justin Edwards needs to be a lot better than we've seen so far. When those two guys are cooking, this team is at its best. Agreed. Can some y'all can y'all say something else? Just delay until we have to talk about football. Um. Yeah. I, yeah, I can say something if if you want me to. It's basketball uh, season. Um. So I had Chinese for dinner instead of Mexican. Uh Why so I'm surprised. To us? Well, I'm I don't it just sounded really good. Uh and then I have ice cream cake too. Nice. Ice cream cake. And Listen. Louisville lost. And I get to celebrate with ice cream cake. Here's the code for everybody. I'm gonna show you how to, this is the plan. This is the blueprint. Go on vacation midway through October and then come back right at the end of October, at the very beginning of November. And so you get to enjoy the beach and the nice warm weather and everything's perfect. And when you get back, it's cold, but it's basketball season. And so it all just sort of washes out and everything's great. That's the Here, blueprint. That's how you do it. Here's the real blueprint. Get an ice cream cake. <laughs> Period. Uh, I want to talk about two things before we talk about football. Uh, number one is I think Trey Mitchell is the X factor of this team. I know we already talked about it a little bit, but he is like the center of like the wheel of the offense. Like everything going through him can be can make this offense like a top five offense in the country. Uh, what is he shooting now in the exhibitions, like since Canada from three? Does anyone know? Like a thousand percent. It's above 50%. I can't remember I him that. missing. 
It's insane. He went four for five <laughs> this past Friday. Yeah. Uh, he he's crazy because as soon as like their big man like comes up and tries to guard him on that three, he's gonna hand it off to DJ, and then you're not gonna be able to provide help. So like it's such a cheat code if he's able to keep hitting like that. The other thing I want to talk about though. I know none of us are insiders. I know none of us really know what's going on. But what do you all think is going on with the Big Z situation? I just, look. I think, and I'll tell you very quickly what I think. I think that he's not eligible with the NCAA yet because the process couldn't start until he got here, and he got here later than any other college basketball player that there is like his process to be eligible started later than every other player in college basketball. So he's not eligible yet. There's it's going to take some time. He'll be eligible. I think Cal before he went through all these hoops checked with the NCAA. There's a, an inquiry process. He inquired. They said he should be good to go. If you can get him here, they got him here. The process started. He'll be eligible. That's what I think. That is one thing I've heard. I can't remember if I heard it from Jack or from some other uh, source, but like they almost did like a dry run with all of it's like a nameless player with a like fake info that matched Vonamir's and ran it through the NCAA to see what they would say. And the NCAA Mm -hmm. said, yeah, this player would be deemed eligible. So obviously, you know, there's a ton of behind the scenes stuff that like only the most plugged in people know. So who like no one truly knows what's going on, I think, except for a few select people. But I think it's safe to say he will be eligible. Now, when he becomes eligible, even if it's before the Kansas game, even if he gets in shape and like the cramps stop, I don't think he's playing more than 10 minutes against Kansas. I don't think he's playing more than 10 minutes against Texas A&M Corpus or whatever. What is it? Texas A&M Commerce. Yeah, like I. He is not, as Cal keeps saying, he is not the answer to all of our problems, but he does provide a specific skill set that we can use in specific times. And I think that's valuable. I think he might be the answer to certain problems that we would encounter in the Kansas game. I could see, you know, situationally us playing him more depending on how it all goes. But um, I think he, in the Kansas game, his role is five more fouls. <laughs> that at the five position. How do you feel about winning that game, that Kansas game, genuinely? After that Illinois, Hades? after Illinois beat them, I know it's an exhibition, and you can only take so much from an exhibition. But their guards don't excite me. They only attempted twelve three pointers in a loss. So, uh, you know, if if we're glass houses running on offense. Like, I think we could beat them. I mean, there's a reason why Hunter Dickinson's teams haven't been good. Like, yes, he's an amazing player. I would love to have him in Kentucky Blue. I know Sack would not have loved to have him. Um, But there's a reason why he has not consistently won, even at Michigan. Yeah, I'm definitely worried about the game. Kansas will be my number one team if I ever release a top 25. Um. They're incredibly good defensively, one through four, which is why I don't think a lot of them are shooters. They're more defensive type guys like Dewan Harris and um, who is the Kevin McCuller uh, and even Hunter Dickinson at the five. So you have four good defenders and you probably have the safest bet. Like, you know what Hunter Dickinson's going to give you. You can go up and down Kentucky's roster, Duke's roster, Purdue, like anyone. Like, Hunter Dickinson is the safest bet in college basketball. So 
I, I think they're at least going to be pretty good, and they're definitely not going to be pushovers. I do see a path to beating them, though. Again, they only attempted 12 threes, and they made three of them. So it's not like they were super selective and made a high percentage of their threes. They're just they just don't have any three point shooters. So they if you kind won. of get if you kind of get in like a defensive battle and can somewhat mitigate mitigate Hunter Dickinson, and Antonio Reeves makes like four or five threes, and Dillingham kind of makes a few too, and Trey Mitchell makes a few, I don't see how Kansas outscores that. I mean, they have one three point shooter. All you need to do is put. Adu or Justin on him and he's neutralized. So it's going to test our defensive rotations when they throw the ball in the post. Like, can we go double the post? Can we give right. Trey or give Adu or get, give Z some help? But yes, um, that's the thing that three think, our bigs are gone. Yeah. That's a big problem, you know? Right. But the bigs that we have, it's like, would you rather have like Trey Mitchell and Adu on Hunter Dickinson or would you rather have Aaron Bradshaw? Like I get one's taller than the other, but I don't. Know. I, I might take the beefier guy. We are forgetting. We we also have Jordan Burks. I know Jordan's not going to like break any records against Hunter, and he may not even play well. But that at least gives us another body. We don't just have to rely on Trey. Uh, actually, I, I, now that I think about it, when Jordan's in the game, we're, we would probably put a do or someone else on Hunter because that matchup does not bode well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But still, we, we, we have not great depth in the front court, but we've been working around it, I think, as well as we could have. We had a we had another listener question from Corey HBBN, front of the show. He says, biggest surprise player, good or bad, from Friday's scrimmage. Uh, we can't say Adu. Everyone's going to be like, oh, Adu Thierro, surprise, look how good he looks. We've been saying this for months now that Adu is going to be fantastic. Good or bad, who surprised y'all? It's like, so the Adu thing is like, whenever you say, you say like, what, who's the most underrated player of the Cal era? Deron and everyone Lamb. says Deron Lamb. That's like, yes, we all know Adu's like the X Factor surprise. Uh, I mean, it's got to be Rob. Like, yeah. Rob is so good. And he wouldn't be surprising if this was the first time we've seen him. Because be like, oh, Rob is like the high end of what we thought. Rob is a surprise right now because we saw him in Canada. We saw him really, really, really struggle. And it's not just his scoring that is impressing me, even though it definitely is. His defense and his uh, passing are way ahead of schedule. Those were the knocks on him when he came to Kentucky. It's like he's not great at making decisions, and he's going to get beat on defense. He's not going to be like a Tyler Eulis type on defense, and he's not going to be a Tyler Eulis-like passing, but uh, he is – way better than I think any of us expected he would be. Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. Like you go to a pickup style basketball game in the blue white game where walk-ons are on the court and he's on clearly the worst team. Like all the starters were on, was it the white team and he was on the blue team? Is that correct? doesn't matter. Um, Like he, he was playing with the bench guys. He was playing with the bench guys and he was supposed to chuck shots and he just got in the middle of like a heat check and it was great. Okay. Now you're in a actual game setting playing a very fundamentally sound team that's very pesky on defense, and he's not going to get all the shots because now he's playing with all the best players on his team, and he's the most efficient freshman on the floor and not high value. Like He just kind of went out there and played a role and played it very well. Bradley, did you get to watch this exhibition game, or did you miss another one? I did. Uh... Hey, 
No, I, I watched it. Uh, I I mean, I think you guys both nailed it, though. Uh, Dillingham was the surprise for me as well. Uh, I was higher on Rob than I think most people were. Uh, I'd had people trying to temper my expectations uh, for Rob, uh, but I'm doing victory laps right now because I <laughs> called it. He's awesome. I listened to last week's podcast, of course, while I was in Puerto Rico. And uh, Bradley, I agree with your assessment that it makes better content if two of the people watched the blue-white game and one person didn't. <laughs> uh, because, <laughs> I mean... Great. You commenting on a game that you'd not seen, it's... I thought it was really a little extra flair there. Creative decision-wise, top tier. Top I, tier. For me, what is there to gain by watching the blue-white game? Only Only bad things could happen. Only highlights, man. Because I wasn't able to watch it live, and to me, that's not a thing you like record and go back and watch like uh, buddy did you uh happen to see the joey hart 360 dunk from the first <laughs> exhibition game? no i did not but i know this bit <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one as well that was it y'all went too far with it or it was that's what i'm saying we had bradley believing that uh reed threw uh, down yeah. a one-handed Alley oop, and then Zach had to be like, "Oh yeah," and it was a three sixty. It's like, no man. If you honestly believed it, you said it just now. Cooper flag flipped to Kentucky. When you said it just now, even I was like, "Wait, did he said I want to play just like those guys, just like Joey Hart and Reed Shepard? They play (laughs) the game the right way." (laughs) My favorite thing, though, that I did see about Joey Hart, I told you guys, and we talked about it before, that like Joey Hart throws that dunk down, and the whole team loses their minds, and it's just like a meme, you know, it's just funny. But I saw some more pictures of that that night, different angles I'd not seen before, and Zavonimir, who literally met him that day, is like, ah, you know, like his hands on the side of his head and his mouth. You met him today, and your 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 mind is blown because Joey Hart hit that dunk, so. Joey Hart and Reed Shepard are Zvonimir's favorite players. Height supremacy. Height supremacy. Walker Horn snubbed. Hey, right. shout out, by the way, Grant Darbyshire. His mom followed me on Twitter last week. Hell yeah. There we go. That's a great, that's a great follow. A Woo. Great. Unfortunately, we have, we have to go now. on. Unfortunately, we have to go on and talk about our football team. Um, I will say this before we get into probably the bad stuff. For the first time all year, our team showed a backbone. They faced adversity and was like, let's keep trying and playing hard. And they actually came back. Like, they won the last three quarters. Unfortunately, they didn't play very well the first quarter. They didn't tackle at all. I mean, they beyond tackling, they just tripped and fell and gave up wide open 40-yard touchdowns. I mean, who was that one guy that just fell in coverage? I literally never heard of him before. Uh, I, I did Ty not Bryant. care to learn his name. Yeah, we'll just, we'll, yeah. Yeah. we'll just call him Abraham Lincoln, the way he just got killed on that play. But, um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I will, the, the positives... Uh, you got to give credit to Stoops for one thing. Okay, stick with me, guys. Stick with me. We got to give credit to Stoops. He did go into the game saying that he did want to stick with the pass game, didn't want to convert back to his run game, and the pass game was the best it was all year. 
Devin Leary either started to play well or just the wide receiver started to catch balls. I really don't know which one it was, but Dane Key had his best game of probably his career. Barry on Brown had the best game of his year. That is for sure. And I'm glad that those guys, after two tough losses and a really bad first quarter, put in the work to be able to go out there and play the way that they did. It at least makes me good moving forward, whether it's the rest of this season or next season, as some have already moved on to. We'll talk about that as well. WT, you sat with me next to the game. Um, did you have a good time at least? I had a great time. I, that's the best show that the UK football like production crew has put on. Like the music, the videos, the like random smoke show that like happened in the fourth quarter where like the entire <laughs> all of the fans were covered in smoke. Fog of war. Uh, but it was like genuinely fun. Which for even for some marquee games, like you can't necessarily say it's just like, oh, we're winning. So now we're having fun. So kudos to UK football for putting on a good show. Um, WT, I do want to say I do want to say the smoke show kind of concerned me because it was going in the fourth quarter. Wasn't the first play of the fourth quarter like a punt to us? It it was a punt. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like Tavion loses this in our smoke (laughs) show. I'm literally going to go home right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I uh Zach can uh vouch for this, but I get so nervous on punts and like every time I think he's gonna drop it at Muffet and then we lose the game. Um but no, I mean it's I'm not, I haven't rewatched it. It's so hard to analyze football when you watch it live in person. The main like there's just a couple plays that really, really frustrate me. I, th- unlike the Mizzou game, I don't think we lost this game on just a couple plays. I think that Tennessee was a better team on Saturday, which is really sad because I think that we had a shot to win. But um, the decision when we – so in that fourth quarter, we're down to – we're driving in Tennessee territory. We get it to, down to like the 35, just outside of field goal range. Our play calling goes wildcat for a loss of a yard, a screenplay that goes incomplete, and then on third and 11, when you just need to get into field goal range, you just need like six or seven yards, we throw a go route out of bounds, and then we uh, miss a field goal. So that I think that sequence kind of deflated because I think if you asked every single Kentucky or Tennessee fan in that stadium at the beginning of the fourth quarter, they would tell you that Kentucky was going to win that game because we had the ball down to, and we had not been stopped. Devin Leary was playing out of his mind and we took the ball out of his hands when it mattered most. And uh, it, it was really frustrating. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, Devin Leary and the offensive line and the wide receivers really struggled all year. I'd say probably the best game the O-line had all year, Devin Leary's best game, the wide receiver's best game. The two things that have been really positive on offense, Ray Davis was very limited. I think Tennessee just made it a huge emphasis to stop him. Like, you're not going to let Ray Davis beat you. And Liam Cohen has been the other huge bright spot in our offense. Very questionable decisions. I mean... Uh, you brought up that one drive, but the other one, it's third and one, and you go QB sneak and then RB draw out of the shotgun on fourth down. That deflated the game. I mean, those those two sequences that me and WT just said, you could blame the stupid officials for being the dumbest morons on earth. 
Um, you could blame the slow start, but I mean, you're right in that game. And those two drives, I mean, what are we doing? Liam, you've been excellent all year. I mean, maybe you're just trying to mix things up, but I, I do not understand. And then we did Wildcat a different time. Like right after Devin Leary was balling, we go to Wildcat. What are we doing? I understand you want to get the best running back the ball. Like in the best best running back in the country, the ball at some point. But Tennessee's defensive philosophy, and I, I don't know football. So if I know this, that means it's obvious. Tennessee's defensive philosophy against every team is we're going to stop the run beat us with the pass and that's what they did and raid had did not get much going because that was their philosophy so once you they kind of established hey we can't really run the ball go with what's working and they just didn't it it's tough to like really get on anyone for any specific thing because no one specific thing lost the game it's just a frustrating series with a ton of frustrating losses we keep losing these one possession games to tennessee and it's just that hurdle that we cannot seem to cross i'm just confused i don't know what to take away from kentucky this season there are times we've looked really just bad as a team to be honest and early games especially but there are times when you know finally our past game comes together in this game against tennessee everything looks great our defense falls apart there are times when our offense looks kind of mid, but our defense was spectacular, like the Vanderbilt game, kind of-ish. I mean, you know, it wasn't so bad. But uh, And then there are times when just we beat the snot out of Florida because Ray Davis went for a 1,000 yards. So why – I mean, clearly there's potential on our team, on our roster, but we never put it all together at once. We're never, like, clicking, and we're not even consistent enough to just be, like, okay – at everything at the same time, which would probably win us games where we're really good in some area. And then we just fall apart everywhere else. I I don't know what to make of that. It's a really bizarre. I don't know who to blame for that. I, I just don't know. I just don't know. You know what I mean? One thing that when I used to go to uh, press conferences and stuff, when I was still at the university of Kentucky, one thing Mark Stoops said kind of like almost more than Calipari would say, I haven't seen him or how about Lance? Uh, Mark Stoops would always have to say, we have to play complementary football. And that is a thing in itself in football. You're like, oh, this is going well, but this isn't like complementary football is a lot of what wins and loses football at the college football le level. Like you take the run game from Florida, you take the defense from Florida you take the first quarter from Mizzou, you take the passing game in the last three quarters of Tennessee, you take Tavion Robinson in week two, and you put it all together, and you have a team that's probably number five in the country. But, like, out of the, like, the game or even just the quarters that I listed for specific position groups, they've just been bad. Like, you can't just rely on one position group in football. It's not basketball where it's like, eh, these few guys were just not not having their best. But Dillingham went for 40, and, you know, like, you, the, we left the other guys on the bench. No, like, the defense needs to play. The special teams needs to play. The offense needs to play. The O-line needs to block. The wide receivers need to catch their passes. Leary needs to make good decisions and throw accurate balls. Liam Cohen needs to call a good place. Brad White needs to have a defense that just doesn't like give up 15 yards at a time. 
I mean, I was always fine with the bend, but not break. I know a lot of people didn't like it, but we're at the point where now it bends and then it breaks. I called it the bend, <laughs> then break defense. And that's what literally what it is. It's like, okay, we'll get dinked and dunked. And then here's a 50 yard touchdown. God, it's, it's all about complimentary football. You're right on buddy. Zach, you bring up a great point that I've been saying in group chats for years and I finally see people agreeing with me. I am out 100% on Brad White. Like, I do not think he is a good defensive coordinator at all. Because like you said, bend, don't break does not work. It bends and then breaks. I wasn't able to watch the game, but I listened to it. I listened to, to Tom Leach for almost the entire game. And you could just hear the exasperation in his voice. Kentucky gives up another third and 12 on a, on a run play. It's like, what, what are we doing? It's just so frustrating to say, oh, I'm, we're going to bend but not break. Because like you said, we get them to third and eight, third and 10, third and 12, but then we give up a 40-yard bomb. It just doesn't work. We have at least front, front seven. Probably the best defense we've ever had. Definitely the best defense of the Stoops era. And we just let Tennessee run the ball all over us. Especially in the fourth quarter when, when you've got to be strong and, and not give up a third down conversion or every single third down conversion, you just got to make something happen. And I'm not convinced that Brad White can make that happen. I think it was like the end of the third quarter and WT and I were like looking at the stats up on the scoreboard. Maybe it was at halftime. It was like, oh yeah, it was at halftime. It was like Tennessee has scored on every single drive. They have, we have zero sacks and zero tackles for losses zero turnovers, zero forced punts. Like, you have so many playmakers on this defense, and you're not letting them make plays. Mm -hmm. and, and I know the counterpoint to that is going to be, oh, well, they gave up five scores on the first five possessions, and then they only got one more score. They did something almost as bad as giving up scores. They let Tennessee drain the clock. And when, when you're down in the fourth quarter – you cannot let the other team drain the clock. And that's all that Tennessee did. And let's not forget, this is not Hendon Hooker, Tennessee, scoring 45 points on everybody. This Tennessee team scored 16 points against Florida. Like, this is not a good Tennessee offense. They run the ball well. They did not, they don't throw the ball well. But all of a sudden, you play this bend, don't break defense, and Joe Milton turns into Peyton Manning. Like he was, he was able to be accurate. He was did was not under any pressure. Only got sacked, I think, once. Uh, he had space to scramble. He got first downs with his legs. He was able to like get out into the open and then hit these guys all over the field. I don't think it's coincidence that we keep seeing these like best game of a QB's career against this defense. Now, other times when we play other teams, 
QBs can't figure us out. I think there is a place for Brad White's philosophy, but it's not it's not a place that can exist for 13 games in a season. We have to be more versatile in our defense. If we need to put pressure, we need to be able to put pressure. If we need to sit back and let you dink and dunk because we don't think that you can do anything else, we do that. So, like, there's got to be more than just that one philosophy. And obviously, I, I'm not a kid, I'm not a football guy, so I don't know. Like, they could be doing a ton of different stuff. I don't really know. But whatever they're doing ain't working, and I think people are starting to figure it out. And I, I don't want to put everything on the coach because it's like you recruit Deion Walker, who's maybe the most talented defensive player you've ever had other than Josh Allen, who, I mean, was a two-star. So if you want to say most talented, yeah, Deion Walker might be the most talented defensive player that we've ever had. And he gets a running back in his arms five yards behind the line of scrimmage on like a third and 10, and we give up a first down. It's like, it, it, did Brad White like not teach him how to tackle? Like the most talented player that we have on the defense? Did he not have a guy that's 150 pounds heavier than the running back and had him in his arms and just let him go? It's like, like what, what do you do at that point? But I do agree with you guys for the most part. I think I'm not out on Brad White. I'm not out on Stoops. I'm not out on Cohen. I'm not out on anything like that. But I do think we do need to be a little bit more versatile. Buddy, what do you think? Did you get to watch the game at all? Um, No. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, kept up, I kept up with the with the score and everything. I was traveling. Um, but... No, I didn't watch it. And then we lost, so I didn't rewatch it. But it looked like it was close. I watched the highlights. I always watch the highlights at the very least. But uh I, hey, I did want to mention at least briefly, um, Will Levis in his debut NFL. Yeah, dude. fantastic. According to his head coach, it was not a bad debut. <laughs> it According was not bad. He had got help from the receivers. Uh, got help from the receivers. Uh, I mean, here, here's uh, Go ahead. Why did why weren't the receivers helping Tannehill for six games? Well, so here's what I was told. Here's what I was told by someone (laughs) an anonymous source. No, here's what I was told by someone whose um family are all Titans fans. Someone from Tennessee. Family's all Titans fans. They know Mike Vrabel. They said that this is just kind of like him, that he just kind of does this. Like he's he won't really give credit. He's just kind of like a harder type of guy. But that he like if he said that if he said it was a yeah then pretty good debut then that means he was like really impressed supposedly. I don't understand that. I'm not sure about that because like every interaction between Will Levis and him have been really odd. Like even from draft night when he drafted him it was like no big heads. We're not you know be thankful whatever. It was like really weird call from the very beginning. Um, so I'm not sure, but that's what he says. Uh, and so I don't know. I don't know what I think about that, but wide receivers and offensive lines that are capable of getting any, giving any help at all. Don't like get two passing touchdowns total through six weeks. And then a new quarterback comes in and doubles it in one week. Tannehill and, uh, Willis through six weeks aggregately combined for two passing touchdowns in six weeks. That's it. That's all the help that they were getting. But you have a new guy comes in and they get four against not like the Falcons are not a bad defense. Like they were a top 10, 12 defense heading into this game. I feel like I can confidently say as a Miami Dolphins fan that Tannehill 
is not a good quarterback. I can confidently say, I can confidently say as someone who has watched football before that Malik Willis is not a good quarterback. And I can confidently say that Will Levis is a good quarterback. Now, is he necessarily going to be NFL MVP? I'm not exactly saying that, but obviously he's talented. Obviously he's able to, to do the job at the NFL level. He, I mean, yeah, if Matt didn't say it already, uh, because I, I, I was only halfway listening to you and halfway arguing with Louisville fans on Twitter still. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he doubled passing touchdowns that yeah. Tannehill has in six games, and he did it in one game. But no, Matt, your co-host today was on a – or your your ex, your former co-host, <laughs> was on a, a hell of a tear uh in in the uh, ironically named group chat um arguing that uh Ryan Tannehill is just a better start than um than Will Levis and just a better player in general than Will Levis despite I understand all that. so because he I got bailed out he got lucky he got lucky I understand wanting to see like a bigger sample size before you make any sweeping conclusions about Will Levis but to call but Ryan a Tannehill. four touchdown, zero interception, should have been 300 plus yards if he didn't get that one awful drop. Uh, lucky is insane to me. Like, if you could just rely on luck to get four touchdowns, zero interceptions, why haven't any other rookies since like the 70s done that? Like, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the same way that Cason Wallace is like shooting ninety two percent, Will Levis uh, has won one hundred percent of his NFL starts. So Cason Wallace, most efficient player of all time. Will Levis, most winningest, not really winning. Wallace is going to average most consistently winning. What did he say? He's going to average ten points a game, or what did he say that Cason would average? Oh, like eight, uh, ten and four. And two. <laughs> four. Yeah, no, yeah. no, it was eight and four. It was eight, eight four and eight. four thing. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, but 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 anyways, uh, suck it, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> suck it, Ryan Tannehill. Suck it, Gia Dudley. One more thing I want to bring up in football before we move on to listeners' questions. So, this fan base doesn't know how to handle a loss ever. Um, like all the takes are bad on all sides. Like I went to like Matt Jones comment section because I hate myself, and on one yeah. side you have arguing like. <laughs> We only had, if we like look 10 years ago, we were only getting two wins and we only have four wins. It's like, I don't, I genuinely don't give a shit what we did over a decade ago. Like, I really don't care about Joker Phillips or beginning of the Stoops era. I still have somewhat of an expectation greater than, oh, we got more than four wins. I'm happy. But I'm also not like, he makes $9 million. If he only made $400,000, I'd be happy driving home right now. Well, no. In my hour and a half drive home through traffic to Louisville, not once did I think, God, do I just hate how much Mark Stoops makes. It's like, I, I hate the, like, every side of every take. It's like, Mark Stoops is not getting fired. Yes, he's the best coach we've ever had. Yes, I still have a standard for him greater than losing to Tennessee every single year. No, we shouldn't fire him because of one Tennessee loss or a Mizzou loss. No, I don't think the season's over because I asked Twitter today, hey, is 8-4 and four with wins over Louisville and Miss State and U, uh, USC Junior, 
and a loss to Alabama, that's what eight and four is. Is that a successful season? 70% of the fan base said yes. So why is the expectation of 70% of the fan base to have a successful season very, very much so in reach? And everyone's like, oh, this season's over. I get it. Like, it wasn't fun watching three straight really disappointing losses, especially when the basketball team looks so promising. I, I get it's really easy to switch over. The football season's not over. Mark Stoops is not getting fired. Why do you care how much he makes? No, I don't care how bad Joker Phillips was. Can we just have one reasonable take, please? That's one thing. Like, it is fair. Like, there's there's so many things to criticize about Stoops. There's so many things to praise as well. But, like, there's so many things to criticize. I don't know why people go to the salary. I may have made, like, the salary point before. But, like, at the end of the day, he could be paid, like, 30 bucks a, 30 bucks a year. And if he's consistently losing games that we should win at home, if he's, two and like, 2-8 and eight in his last 10 SEC home games, he deserves criticism either way. Like, he we should be able to criticize him without bringing up Cal. We should be able to criticize him without bringing up his salary. We should be able to praise him without like doing it. Like, and we should also be able to criticize him without criticize him without bringing up. Oh, well it's Kentucky football. Like he has brought in more talent than any other Kentucky football coach has. That is a praise. But when you bring in talent, you are also expected to win. Bringing in talent is just part of the equation. It's it's why I still think that we he is our coach because no other coach can bring in the talent that he has. He brings us the most potential, but you also have to convert on that talent, and he just hasn't shown that he can do that in any sort of consistency. I hate mm-hmm. that Stoops and Cal made me hate comparing them so much because there's so many similarities. But another one is you look at like Stoops had a very like this is a Mark Stoops type of guy. And then it was like, okay, well, now I have to convert. I have to get more wide receivers and these quarterbacks that are one-dimensional and just throw it a lot. And I have to get all these like four stars because we're just, we need more talent than what we've been having. But these aren't the Mark Stoops guys. Like you could just see this team is culturally different. Even last year, it's culturally different than other Mark Stoops teams. You look at Cal. All right, I'm going to have my type of five stars, big, tall, athletic, play lots of defense. Oh, well, now we're way too young and we don't shoot the ball well enough. Our offense is one dimensional. I have to get these new guys, but these new guys, they aren't, they aren't the Cal guys, you know, like Sabir Wheeler is not a Cal guy. Kellen Grady, like they're not Calipari guys. He had to find the blend. You get an Antonio Reeves to compliment a DJ Wagner who compliments a Trey Mitchell, who compliments an Adu Thiero and a Justin Edwards. Mark Stoops now needs to make the next step and get the super talented guys that could play a modern NFL offense and defense, but also fit the Mark Stoops culture, which took a bunch of two stars from Youngstown and made them beat like the South Carolinas and the Mizzou's, which we have not been beating. All right, we're ready for listeners' questions. There were a lot of good ones today. Uh, (laughs) At Kent Jr. 41 says, Cal says you need to win four games in a row to have a chance in the tournament. Will that happen, and which stretch will it be? He also talks about 20-point scorers. How many of those will we have, and who will they be? Let's break that apart into two questions. I do think we'll have a six-game stretch, because like Kansas is the one I'm probably most worried about. But even if we lose that one, I don't think we lose more than one game before the new year. I'm a little bit worried about Kansas. I'm a little worried about North Carolina because of uh, Dickinson and Bacot. 
because I don't know what our center position is going to look like. Yeah, but I think those middle six games, even with Miami in there, I think we could win. I think there'd be a, if we beat North Carolina, I think we could be looking at like 14 or 15 straight wins. Honestly, I currently have. Uh, so if you get my pinned tweet on my profile is my predictions for the season. I currently have a 15 game win streak predicted after the Kansas game with wins over Miami and North Carolina um, and D1, D2 powerhouse uh, UofL. Um and then losing next at Arkansas. Uh, and then I follow that up with a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight game win streak until we play Mississippi State. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously I'm a homer. I, I look at things through blue tinted glasses, but I really believe in this team. I think that this is a return to something special under Calipari. So I see a, a few six game win streaks. Yeah, the, the 20 point scorers. I think we'll probably have, I want to say five or six, but I think it could come from eight or nine different guys. Like, I don't think all nine will get it, but if you look at our top nine guys, I think DJ, Dilly, uh, Reed, Antonio, Justin, that's five, Adu, Trey, Aaron, I feel like I'm missing one. Um, what, what, but at least those eight guys and the one that I feel like I missed, I feel like could all go for 20 point games. It's just a matter of who will get it, you know, and someone will have a good, like Aaron Bradshaw might have a couple 16, 17 point games, but he never breaks 20. I think the thing when Cal says, Oh, we need different 20 point scores. You need different guys capable of getting to 20. Like your team, like the opposing team can't look at you be like, Oh, we stopped that guy. We win. They have to be like, oh, we stopped this guy. Well, they have seven other guys that could literally go for 20 and be the leading scorer on any given night. So I don't know how many that'll get to 20, but the fact that we have eight or nine capable, that is huge. And that's exactly what happened last year. Who are our 20-point scorers last year? We had Antonio, uh, Case, and Oscar. And then maybe Jacob had like one, but I wouldn't call him like a 20-point scorer. No. Um, So – we teams were pretty much like that. All K State did was relied on Antonio Reeves to not make threes, and that's what happened. And <laughs> they won. So, um, we have a ton of options, and it's so easy for us to say that in the preseason. Like, we'll see what this team really looks like here pretty soon, but we have the talent to do something really special. Sorry if you just hear laughs in the background. I think everyone is scrolling through Twitter right now, memeing. Um, no, I was I was laughing cool at fans. WT. Just the way he said that was <laughs> they just had to rely on Antonio Reeves to miss threes, and that's what he did. <laughs> that was just I mean, there's no me. scooting around that. That is exactly <laughs> what he did. <laughs> um, at, at Wildcat Zed says, do you have any updates on JQ's visit? What is going on with Billy Richmond decision soon? Wildcat Zed, unfortunately, none of us have sources. And if we do, it comes from Jack Pilgrim, who has it on his own podcast once uh, he decides he's had enough with uh, Billy. Um, but his I am child. really excited. I am really excited about this class. Um, Bradley, or Bradley, you're kind of like our recruiting guy, and Buddy, you're kind of like our scoop guy. Do you guys have any updates on this class? Um, I don't. I feel extremely confident uh, that Jaden Quaintance will be at Kentucky. Um, 
So Bradley, let literally, me, let me, let me ask literally you this. the only threat is G League. I, I think we get Jaden as well. We already have Samto. We already have Boogie. That's three. I just don't see us going six deep. I think five freshmen is kind of the number. Um, Carter Knox is there. Billy Richmond is there. VJ Edgecombe is there. And a Darren Peterson reclass is another name that's getting rumored around a lot. And we have you, Boogie. That, that's what I'm saying. So we only if we only had to give those four guys two spots, which two do you think we land? Not like who I, would you I rather have? So, like realistically, so t- who do so you you're think talking, on our roster? So you're talking like Quaintance, Peterson, Edgecombe, not no, 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 no. So I'm saying I think we get Quaintance. We already have yeah. Santo and Boogie. That's three. Okay, okay. I'm kind of um, short, I'm kind of penciling in their acquaintance. Okay. Uh, I've heard good things on him. If you had to so, add yeah, two yeah. more, who do you think we got? So if I had to pick two guys, I'd go uh, Peterson and Billy Richmond. Uh, Peterson is just like a game changing player. Uh, he impact wise, he rem- reminds me of a lot of what Jamal Murray uh, would have provided. Not super similar play styles, but. As far as impact, a, a lot like Jamal Murray. We get two then, years of him too, right? Yeah, yeah, I get two years of him. So you'd have two years of Darren Peterson, two years of Jane Acquaintance. Oh, that's uh, so which, good. Which would be insane. Uh, and then Billy Richmond, he's, he's not a takeover type of player, but he's just super consistent. Um, let's see. I really like an Alex Poitras-esque comp for him. Like, he's not a great shooter, but he can shoot. He's not a great defender, but he can defend. He's not crazy athletic, but he can throw down some dunks. Uh, so, like, he's he's not a home run in the sense, in the way that some other guys in the class could be a home run. Then Edgecombe's going to Duke. So, I don't know, dude. Is he so Edgecomb? Here's what I've heard, and this is the only scoop I have. I've not heard anything new on on JQ. Uh, only good things were the last things I heard, but I've not heard anything from the visit, and from from BJ, I've not heard anything really good from the visit yet either. But I do know someone that talks to BJ Edgecomb, and apparently, there's been a bit of a like back momentum shift, uh, kind of maybe toward Kentucky again. So it's really wide open right now. Uh, it, it was kind of leaning away from Kentucky. Now it's kind of leaning back. It's real teetery, but uh, I'm trying to get an update on him. I just haven't heard back from in a couple of days. But uh, The thing with VJ is I think Duke has done a better job recruiting him. It's just a matter of where does he fit on that roster. Um, and I don't think there's a clear spot for him because this year, like they, they – kept so many sophomores for this year that means the freshmen that they brought in aren't going to get as much playing time which means they're more likely to keep them for next year and they're already bringing in wings and guards that have already committed so there's not a ton of spots left and i don't know if vj wants to get into that so um i see a path for him to be a wildcat but if we prioritize guys like peterson uh obviously we already have boogie um then I, I don't know. What are the other options for VJ other than Kentucky and Duke? Um, I know Florida for a while was pretty big in his recruitment. I don't know if they're still right in there with him. The one thing I will say about VJ maybe not going to Duke is we all know that Duke is going to be the Cooper flag show next season. So if he doesn't want to sign up to be just like a side character, like if we're comparing it to the office, 
he'd be like Moe's. Uh, you know, he's just kind of <laughs> like, uh, hey, he's not really even part of it, but he shows up sometimes. Like The funny that's... thing is, is that Cooper Flag looks like Moe's. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I mean, though? Like, it, it's going to be the Cooper Flag show and, like, VJ Edgecombe or whoever ends up rounding out that class is just kind of kind of there. Bradley, I found a listener's question that I really wanted to ask you because on oh, top of the our, snacks. Yeah, on top of our recruiting expert, you're also our food expert. Um, <laughs> Kentucky enthusiast at Cal's Pals BBN. Great name, by the way. He says, in addition to the weird cookie cake, if you're a recruit, what's the ideal snack food drink spread that you want in the hotel room? Okay, so I did I did a lot of thinking about this question because it's right up my alley. Okay, my one like controversial food take is that I hate Doritos. Like any Doritos, I'm just totally out on. Uh so if there is a Dorito on that bed, I'm cutting Kentucky from the list. Um but we've got to go with some uh Mingy Cajun beef jerky uh that's a really solid flavor uh gotta go with some l8 definitely you know a little little kentucky representation there uh but for me personally um i really like uh pretzel crisps Uh, i'm a big fan of those Uh, they have some salt and pepper flavored pretzel crisps those are clutch um i was really big on gushers uh, when I was a kid, shout out Louisville. <laughs> Gushers. Uh, so oh, I, I like. No, what a joke. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, so Gushers would definitely have to be in the mix. Uh, I like Chewy Chips Ahoy cookies. Uh, those, those are also elite. Uh, I mean, the regular Chips Ahoy's are fine too, but Chewy, Chewy's good. Uh, and then we definitely got to have some Baja Blast in there, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. like like for me personally, Baja Blast has got to be involved in that somehow. Now, if I was visiting Louisville, here's what I would want. No, <laughs> just okay. kidding. Bradley, right, I'm I've... shocked you didn't throw in Jeff Ruby's chicken tenders. I've <laughs> never been to Jeff Ruby's. It seems like it's in a different stratosphere of like social existence than I will ever be in. Um, but I guarantee you, if I went to a renowned steakhouse like that i would not be getting chicken tenders and i love a good chicken i love a good chicken tender as much as the next guy but if i ever find myself at jeff ruby's a jeff ruby if you're listening i'd be more than happy to come down (laughs) uh, sponsor us (laughs) but i will not be eating chicken tenders if i'm ever there i have a i have a listener's question here i'm pretty sure it's directed at me um at Lizard McGuire, their display name is WT's wife. Uh, ask, do you blame your wife for this week's loss? Um, and the answer is no, because I am not married. So I actually weird, thought that weird this question, question to ask me, but <laughs> yeah, I thought this, this question was directed for me, buddy. But I also don't have a wife. I was really confused. <laughs> yeah, this is a Gotta be for Bradley then. <laughs> well, I I am married, but unfortunately, my wife doesn't care about sports. Uh, she, she she would probably root for Kentucky to lose, just so I wouldn't be as invested. Mine doesn't care about sports either, and she decided to wear a Tennessee sweatshirt. 
on Thursday during Tennessee Hate Week. Just to mess with me. She doesn't like Tennessee. She doesn't really care about Kentucky. She just did it to mess with me. And I think that threw off the entire week. I think that she caused the loss. I think it's totally on her. So if you are mad at Stoops, if you're mad at Cohen, if you're mad at Brad White, if you're mad at anybody, just direct all that anger towards uh, some random burner account's wife that won't show her face. Hey, I I know a good marriage counselor, by the way. It sounds like you're going to be in need soon, so. Yeah, I, I do I do believe that. <laughs> it's, it's just me. <laughs> I really now, do which blame one of you her is a terrorist. The, I, I do blame her for the Tennessee hoodie. That is inexcusable. Um speaking of supporting opposition though, I already texted you guys this, but I'll I'll address the this will be a Matt Sack questioner mass oh my gosh, a Matt Sack question for the listeners. I want to hear what y'all think. So I got invited um, to go to a basketball game, a Louisville basketball game, their season opener, which is on the same day as the Kentucky season opener. So I live in Louisville. I'm not going to the Kentucky season opener, but my girlfriend um, and the person we're going with, um, do, do I, like I got invited by those two. Do I go to the game? The guest is going to be someone like, again, I don't want to give it away, but it's it'd be someone that'd be cool to go to a basketball game with. And of course, my girlfriend will be there as well. Do I go to the Louisville basketball game and not watch Kentucky's first game live, or do I stay at home and watch Kentucky's first game live? Let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you rather watch Kentucky win by 40 or watch Louisville lose by 40? I would rather Kentucky watch Kentucky win by 40, but it, it, you also throw in the factor, do I want to be around this special guest and my girlfriend at a live basketball game or watch it at home in 15-minute intervals because I have to let my dog out to go pee? Good question. Now, I think that the best way to handle this, I think you go to the UFL game, and I think you wear the brightest blue shirt that you have, and I think you stand up the entire game. <laughs> and Just full uniform. You're not, necessar- you're not necessarily cheering for the opposition. You're obviously not necessarily cheering for UFL, but you are making yourself seen by everyone in that building. I think that would hurt them more than a loss to whatever sad team that they're playing. Who are they playing? They're playing UMBC, the giant killers. Oh, no. So the, the one seed killers, the UMBC golden retrievers. All Louisville safe then. You, UMBC's one seed killers, not four win killers. Louisville's good then. So now, do I wear bright blue or do I try to get a full UMBC Retrievers men's basketball jersey by November 6th? This reminds oh, me of a time Florida AM came in last year to play Kentucky and then play Louisville the next game, and it would be Louisville's first win. And so I almost went to the Louisville game as a Florida AM fan to give them some sort of advantage and, and prevent Louisville from getting even one win. Um, Sack, I I think what you need to do is get a Kentucky Wesleyan shirt. What? What? Wait, wait, wait. Okay, so they sell jerseys. I just looked up the UMBC bookstore online. They sell jerseys, (laughs) but only in youth sizes. (laughs) Get get a youth medium. Should I get a youth extra large? The belly shirt. You're six foot. 
eight, but you're also like 120 pounds. Like you'll be fine. Do you think I could fit in a youth extra large just for the meetings? I think OVO should have like a like a Letterman partnership with UMBC (laughs) (laughs) so so that you can get that that jacket. We'll look into it. We'll look into it. Um, Any more listeners questions for tonight that we need to get to? Uh, well, what about the guy you saw at JC Penny? I know he asked a question. I think it was the one that I said earlier. Um, oh, and when sick. I forgot his name, Harper. Oh, sick. What yeah, dude? Harper. Did, he he said something I already answered earlier in the show. What did he ask again? I uh, I don't know. Uh, look at us. Um, Great Rob Dillingham question. Right there. Was it the Rob Dillingham question? We love our fans. Yes, it was the Rob Dillingham question. I remembered Harper. Shout out Harper. Well, well, I forgot his name and then I forgot his question. So I look like a really bad. I was sorry. I was thinking about ice cream cake. Y'all are keeping me from my ice cream cake. This crap up. (laughs) I've got ice cream cake. Getting recognized. I think that it's kind of rude that no one has stopped me in public to say, "Hey, I'm a fan of Rub to No Good." Why do you think that might be WT? I don't know. Me and Buddy, just Buddy and I just don't get recognized that often. I, I'm kind of upset by it. Actually, the funny thing, WT, despite it probably being the most crowded game that we just went to together, that was the first home game where no one came up to me and said, oh, hey, you're Matt Sapp. It was the one that you were at. I scared him away. You did. Mm-hmm. I thought I saw you guys on the on the uh, game camera doing, well, never mind. I'm not going to say what I thought I saw you guys doing. Were we actually on the game camera? We'll talk about this after the episode. I feel like my mom might have said something if I was actually on the game camera. She would have texted me a picture. We thought it was no, a moment. She probably, she probably, back. if she saw what I saw, she probably would have been appalled if it was you. So I don't think we did anything appalling. All we really yeah. did was like stood next well, to each I... other and then just tweeted to each other the whole game. Yeah, we were replying to each other's tweets directly a foot away next from to each, each other, other. shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> all right well thanks Let's for the bad boys <laughs> okay, like, i still got errands to do so go cats i got ice cream cake oh do we have score I... predictions who do we play no i'm not no, playing kentucky predictions. kentucky state oh, wait, we play oh this is basketball okay i'll give a score prediction both all right rapid fire football prediction basketball prediction buddy you start go Oh, uh, uh, 76-59, Kentucky. MVP. Rob Dillingham again. He's back. Football, go. Oh, gosh. Uh, Who do we play next? Miss State. Mississippi State in Starkville. Mm. Uh, How about 27-14, Kentucky? MVP. Ray Dog. Wow. Ooh. Bradley, go. Oh, fire. sorry. It was off the dome. I didn't... <laughs> Basketball, Kentucky is going to win 104 to 68 with your MVP being friend of the program, proud to be an American, Reed Shepard. Uh, and uh, football final score is going to be a final score of 77 to zero. MVP one Raymond Davis Jr., setting the SEC record for uh, rushing touchdowns in a single game. I guess we allow it. WT, go ahead. Uh, I'm going uh, 85-55 uh, MVP via Duthiero. Um Football, uh, I'm going uh, 38 to 
17, MVP Devin Leary. I will take the Cats 84 to 61, and I will take – who has not been picked yet? I will take Big Z coming back as our MVP in those seven minutes that Deemed he'll probably wow. play. If he doesn't play, I'll take Trey Mitchell. Um, and in football, I will take the Cats 21 to 17. Barry on Braun – Barry on Brown will be the MVP. Thank you all for listening. Go Cats. Go Cats. Ice cream cream cake.